Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. It's happened at least twice in U.S. history. Under the administration of Teddy Roosevelt in 1901, trust busting, the breaking up of monopolies by the government, became a household phrase. The biggest one was pretty long time ago called Standard Oil. So go steady with Standard. You expect more from Standard, and you get it. This is one of the original monopolists. Um, it was a big oil company. It ended up being cut up into, I think it was about a dozen companies. This was like maybe in the 1920s. The other big case that's a little more recent is AT&T. You may have heard of the Ma Bell breakup. For years, lots of people have found great pleasure in taking jabs at Ma Bell because of her size, because of her bills. But from now on, we all might want to be a little bit nicer to her because Ma Bell just lost her children. Uh, AT&T was broken up into a bunch of regional operating companies. AT&T will lose New York Telephone, New Jersey Bell, and 20 other local operating companies across the nation. You know, that's where we get Verizon and AT&T from. Now I'm imagining like a bunch of different Facebooks all across the country, like how we have different gas stations <laughs> or how we have different cell services. <laughs> you know, they called them the baby bells after the uh, bell breakup. I've been wondering what we're going to call these. Are they like baby Zuckerbergs? Baby faces? Baby books? books? I don't know. (laughs) Some big news today. The Federal Trade Commission suing to break up Facebook. This morning, the world's largest social media company hit with two major lawsuits. One by the Federal Trade Commission. The other by attorneys general in 46 states. I'm Jeremy Siegel. This is Politico Dispatch. And today... Leah Nylon on how Facebook went from dorm room idea to social media giant to the possibility of being broken up into baby books. So as everyone knows, Facebook was started in Mark Zuckerberg's dorm room at Harvard. On college campuses, it's called the Facebook trance. To everyone else, it's spending too much time in front of your computer glued to a website called thefacebook.com. It was originally just for Harvard students and then has since expanded all over the world. Since its launch in 2004, Facebook has become a global internet phenomenon. But today, Facebook is celebrating a milestone. One billion users. That's one in every seven people on Earth. There's no way that when we were getting started with this that I would have ever thought that you know, myself or any of the people around me would be able to uh, to be a part of something like this. One of the first emails that the FTC cites in its complaint is from a 2008 email from Mark Zuckerberg, so fairly fairly long time ago, in which he said, it's better to buy than to compete. And that line is repeated throughout the FTC's lawsuit as sort of the overarching theory that Facebook took as it sort of grew. Facebook posted a $1 billion status update Monday. The social media king will pay $1 billion to buy Instagram. The first instance that both of the lawsuits really focus in on is from 2012. Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg announced the purchase in an update. He called it an important milestone for Facebook. At the time, Instagram was, you may remember, just a small photo sharing app. Instagram allows iPhone and Android phone users to take pictures and apply filters. 
Some have a 70s feel or make the photos look like they were taken with a Polaroid camera. It was only available on Apple. It wasn't even available on Android yet. Had about 30 million users. But Facebook saw it and they thought that it really could represent a threat to their social network. At the time, it didn't have all that many photos. I don't know if you were a Facebook user at the time. You you would just sort of like post a sentence about how you were feeling. You could post photos, but you couldn't do very much with them. It's nothing like today where you can like edit them or or tag your friends and such. Yeah, it was just like you'd say like Jeremy Siegel is feeling sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was like what it was back in the day. You might share a news article, you might like share what you had for lunch, but um it was nowhere near as interactive as it is today. Mm-hmm. And they saw Instagram as a real threat to them and their biggest fear according to the complaint was that one of their rivals like Apple, Google, or Twitter might buy it. So they made a billion-dollar offer to Instagram. Zuckerberg says Instagram will be kept running independently. That's a departure from his tendency to buy small startups and integrate the technology or shut them down altogether just so it can hire talented engineers and developers. Two years later... We go through the same sort of thing with WhatsApp. No one in the history of the world has done anything like it. That understatement comes from Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg talking about mobile messaging provider WhatsApp. And that's why he is spending $19 billion to buy it. Now, WhatsApp was not very popular in the U.S. It um, was very popular in Europe. And it was very popular, started starting to be popular in South America because it would let you text your friends without using the SMS. And in Europe, you know, when there's there's lots of different countries, you would have to pay extra if you were texting somebody from another country. And Facebook began to be concerned that this was going to compete with their Facebook Messenger, which they were trying to play up as the the great way to message your friends over the web, and also that it could be built out into a potential competitor as a social network. Okay, so Facebook is buying up these companies that it's scared could be rivals, buying up the competition. What else has it done that's led to these lawsuits? The other thing that Facebook did is it began to be concerned about how other companies were using its data. So when Facebook first started out, it wanted other companies to start building off of its platform. So it pretty freely gave access to its data. You may remember, like, you could download an app and then start using it. And then you might be able to, it would say, do you want to connect your Facebook account? Would you like to share this with your friends? And then they could sort of, like, send a message to your friends being like, hey, your friend Jeremy has tried this new app. Maybe you'd like to try it too. And that's how a lot of new Silicon Valley technologies were sort of gaining share. Facebook began to be concerned that they were sort of, like, letting people free ride off of them and that some of these other companies might one day become bigger than them. So they started selectively cutting them off. The best example that people know a lot of is Twitter's Vine. Stop! I could have dropped my croissant! Look at all those chickens! Look at this graph! If you remember, this was like a TikTok precursor. You could make these six-second videos that looped, And um, it was pretty popular, had a lot of buzz, and Facebook was really worried about it. So the day it actually debuted, they cut off all of its excess so you could no longer try and share it with your friends to get others to join Vine. There were a couple other examples of apps that are now defunct that Facebook did this to in the complaint. 
So at the end of the day, they're basically arguing that Facebook either bought up competition so that they wouldn't have to compete against them or took actions that led to their competition going out of business. Yes. uh, New York Attorney General Tish James said they're describing Facebook's actions as they would either buy them or bury them. What exactly is Facebook saying about this? What's their argument in defense? So Facebook says both the 2012 Instagram acquisition and the 2014 WhatsApp acquisition were looked at by antitrust authorities all over the world at the time. And nobody challenged it. Everybody said, uh... This looks a little concerning, but we're going to let you go through with it. And so they say it's not really fair eight years later to come back and challenge it. That sort of wrecks the norms. Businesses will no longer have as much certainty. And it could sort of have all of these parade of horribles for companies that want to do mergers in the future. The other thing they argue is under U.S. law, no company actually has any obligation to work with their rivals. So they say they should have been able to cut off any potential rivals they were concerned about at any point in time. What would it mean for Facebook if they lose here, like if they're actually broken up as a company? If Facebook loses this suit, both the states and the FTC have asked that they be required to divest, which just means sell off uh, Instagram and WhatsApp into separate companies. So Facebook, WhatsApp and Instagram would all become separate companies. There's two other big things that both the FTC and the states have asked for. One is they want Facebook to have to notify them in advance any time they want to buy something in the future. Under regular merger laws, you normally only have to do that if an acquisition is pretty big. But they're concerned that Facebook may be buying up startups that they don't even know about because they don't have to be told. And the third thing they want is for Facebook to no longer sort of use its data to cut off rivals selectively. They want to have some kind of requirement that it has to make its data and APIs accessible to everyone. At the end of the day, if Facebook loses these lawsuits, if they are broken up, what do you think it would mean for both like the modern internet and social media landscape? And what do you think it would mean for you and me and other consumers who who have Facebooks or have Instagrams? Well, the FTC says that they're doing this for consumers. They think that consumers, if Facebook hadn't bought Instagram, consumers would have more choice. There might be other Facebooks out there or other social networks that you could use instead of there only being one or two. If Facebook no longer owns Instagram, perhaps those two will compete more offer more innovative offerings or privacy protections. That's a big part, actually, of the FTC suit. WhatsApp, you may know, was one of the first to offer end-to-end encryption for consumers. And they had said that they weren't going to change the privacy settings when they bought WhatsApp. Well, they decided a few years later that they actually were going to do that. And then they merged WhatsApp and Facebook. If you had had both, you might have noticed all of a sudden, like all of the people you had in your WhatsApp contacts started showing up as possible friends on Facebook. So the FTC says, you know, if we hadn't let this happen, there might have been new innovations in privacy or content that these social networks could create. Leah Nylon, thanks so much for talking with me. You're welcome. Also today, the Trump administration is moving to significantly raise the standards for people to get asylum status in the U.S. 
Under the new rules, immigration judges would more easily be able to claim that applications are frivolous, and the standard for persecution that an asylum seeker needs to prove would be raised. The changes also outline several factors that could disqualify people from protection, including whether migrants crossed into the U.S. illegally, used fraudulent documents, failed to pay taxes, or passed through other countries without seeking protective status there first. Immigration advocates are strongly criticizing the move and calling it the biggest crackdown of this presidency on those seeking a haven in the U.S. And Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer is calling on Republicans to drop plans for a hearing centering on alleged irregularities in the 2020 presidential election. The hearing, called by Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Chair Ron Johnson, is scheduled to take place on Wednesday, just two days after members of the Electoral College meet to cast their 306 electoral votes for President-elect Joe Biden and 232 for President Trump. All 50 states and D.C. have already certified their tallies, but Trump is continuing to push baseless allegations of voter fraud in battleground states where Biden won, and most Republicans are still refusing to acknowledge that Biden won the election. The Politico Dispatch production team includes Jenny Ament and Sadiq Reddy. Our executive producer is Irene Noguchi. I'm Jeremy Siegel. Thanks for listening.